Chapter 9, C. Of Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. There is another circumstance in the physical being of many of the African race of which we almost decline to speak, and this is the strange and unaccountable circumstance of their near approach in their shapes to that of the wild man of the woods, the Urang Utang. If it was consistent in the divine economy to produce a black race of men, as in the person of Ham, suited in their constitutional make, to people the hot regions of the earth, why need they, therefore, in so many instances, be formed so much like the animal above alluded to? Could not the African have been produced black, with all the peculiar temperaments of body and mind, without their having been formed so much like that strange-looking creature, to the black men's deep dislike, as well as to the surprise of all who have seen any of that kind of animal? The Urang Uteng is a most extraordinary creature, not only on account of its near approach to the form of many of the African race, but also from its almost human actions, great size, and greater strength. Some individuals of the species, which have been taken, have measured fully seven feet in height, and were otherwise as largely proportioned. Such an one was caught on the northern coast of the island Sumatra, in the Indian Ocean, which was a real giant. The account given by Dr. Clark Abel respecting the capture and size of this extraordinary animal is as follows. Quote, when first observed, the creature seemed to be much fatigued, as if he were resting from a long and arduous journey. His legs, nearly to the knees, were covered with mud, showing that he had passed a region of country of a boggy or miry character, and was resting on the broad forks of a tree, when first seen by the hunters near the shores of the island. As the boat's crew approached the land, the monster appeared to be aware of its danger, and that a single tree whereon it was resting did not afford adequate means of safety. It therefore descended, and escaping to a small clump of forest trees, at some distance, whither it was now pursued by the hunters, seemed to feel itself more secure. But as the hunters came up, they let off their guns, five at the first shot, the balls of which all took effect. On feeling itself wounded, the wonderful animal left the tree on which it was resting for the moment, and bounded with great activity and force from one tree to another so that for a time it seemed to bid defiance to the hunters to overtake it. At length, however, its exertions grew fainter, and leaning against a limb it vomited blood, being then some feet up among the limbs of the tree, in which it was putting its trust. The powder of the party being now exhausted, as they had been on the hunt for a long time that day, before they fell in with this raconteur, they were obliged to cut the trees down with their axes in order to be able to strike it with their spears. 
the animal was soon cut down but as the tree fell what was their surprise to see the wild man spring with great activity into the boughs of another thus effecting its escape with seemingly unabated vigor they now fell to cutting down all the trees of the place which consisted of but a small clump as they were determined to capture it by a conflict on the ground this plan was accomplished and the last tree brought the animal in immediate conflict with its enemies here they plied their spears on every side as the bleeding animal bounded hither and thither amidst its foes without seeming desirous of attacking any of them but as it was overcome by many wounds and nearly in a dying state it suddenly seized hold of a spear the handle of which no man could break and snapped it asunder as if it were but a dry twig its strength however they now saw was beginning to fail from a loss of blood when in its agony it would clap its hands on the wounds and look so pitiful at its tormentors that the men began to have doubts as to the nature of the deed they were perpetrating so much were its actions like a human being in distress but soon it fainted and fell down on the grass quiescent and was dead on measuring the strange creature it was found to be seven feet in length and looked while alive and bounding from one tree to another like a monster of a man entirely naked but overgrown with a thick coat of black shiny hair of about three inches long except on the forehead and face its chin was fringed with a beard and curled neatly on each side its arms were long much longer than a man's arms while the legs were in proportion shorter presenting a body of great size and power the chest was broad and expanded while the waist was quite slender as are all the monkey tribes the posteriors were pointed and narrow which trait of form is also that of the african negroes upon the whole says dr abel it was a wonderful creature to behold and more about it to excite surprise than fear Close quote. Mr. Shaw, the Wesleyan missionary in South Africa, says that he has seen a whole troop of baboons on the mountains, who would not only scream, caper, and frolic at the sight of their company, but would actually laugh. Page 79 of his memorials. The existence of this animal, the Ureng Uteng, is a great phenomenon in the world of beasts on account of its near approach to human beings and especially to that of the negro race both in form and capacities the extreme scarcity of the creature in the world is not the least circumstance of its singularity for it is found only in one or two districts of the whole globe and those are in africa we mean the large class of the animal because there is a palpable similarity in many particulars between the negro race 
and the extraordinary animal above described, we by no means insinuate what many seem to believe, namely, that they are a connecting link between the orang-utang and the white man, as this is utterly impossible, on account of Ham's parentage, and because there is no such thing as a gradation from brute natures to that of the human. For man stands alone, being the image of God, and his only image on the planet. Our remarks, therefore, as above, and those which are to follow, are intended only to prove the natural and innocent fact of the negro's mental and physical existence as actually inferior to the whites. In connection with this view, we shall notice the very curious circumstance of the difference there is between the nature of a negro's flesh and that of the white man, the knowledge of which is afforded by the appetites of certain animals. The shark, the lion, tiger, and leopard prefer the flesh of the negro to that of the white men. This is found to be true as to the shark, when the two races bathe together in waters inhabited by that voracious fish, it always selects the blacks, as an article of food suited to its taste, rather than the whites, rejecting the latter to the last. It is the same when white men and negroes hunt for animals in the forest, above mentioned, together in Africa those monsters always selecting the blacks as their prey, when it is as easy for them to take one as the other. Were we to render a reason for this curious preference, we should say that it is on account of the strong odor of the negro's body, which, to the smell and taste, is more inviting than to the white man's flesh, as is the smell and taste of a horse and the ass to those carnivorous creatures. In conformity to this fact, that of the strong odor of the negro's body, they can digest food of a much coarser and stronger character than white men can, such as the shark, the crocodile, the rhinoceros, the elephant, the hippopotamus, tigers, hyenas, dogs, lions, panthers, and serpents of every description, with the greatest ease and relish. All these are rejected by the white man as abhorrent to his nature, tastes, and powers of digestion, except in cases of strong necessity and starvation. The horrid and heart-appalling practice of cannibalism has, in all ages, attached more to the African race than to any other people on the earth. In the country of Egypt, according to Baron Humboldt, as late as the 13th century, 500 years ago, this dreadful practice prevailed, even among the higher orders of the people, as well as the lower, so that extraordinary traps and snares were resorted to, in order to catch each other for food, as they would any other animal. He says that physicians were often sent for, under a pretense of illness, when they who sent for them would kill and devour the physician, having arranged the plan how to deceive and destroy them 
before their arrival. The large island of Sumatra, in the Indian Ocean, is peopled by blacks of the Negro description, who formerly, if not now, devoured all persons among them, condemned to death for crimes committed against their laws. The manner of such executions was as follows. The criminal was tied naked to a post firmly fixed in the ground, while the executioners stood around the fatal spot with knives in their hands, who, when the sign for them to begin was given, fell on, in a regular manner, in the sight of thousands, cutting away such parts of the body as their respective fancies and appetites made choice of, eating the quivering flesh in its blood, with pepper and salt, while the poor wretch was howling and writhing with pain, as his devourers, all negroes like himself, were chewing and swallowing him down before his own eyes, with gestures of great delight and satisfaction. Masonic Record, page 123, number 1, 1830. In New Holland there are, or were, several tribes of Negroes who have very large heads and mouths. Their heads, in form, resemble the head of the orang-utang, they are entirely covered with black hair or wool, are very limited in their intellectual powers, but are extremely dexterous in climbing trees, precipices, and rocky places, in which particular they greatly resemble the apes and baboons of Africa. They are exceedingly black, and have mouths much wider than any other people of the human race. They eat all kinds of reptiles as bugs, worms, and serpents, with every decayed and filthy thing. But whether they are cannibals, we are not informed. Nearly the same is said of the natives of Australasia, who are small in stature, ill-shaped, and among the most degraded and barbarous of the whole human race, going entirely naked, with their bodies smeared over like the Hottentots, with oil and filth, having no religion or idea of a god, no government, and none of the comforts of civilized life, though occupying a country rich in every natural advantage of the globe. Smith's Geography, page 296. Were ever white men so low as this? On the island called Van Diemen's Land, in the southern ocean, latitude 42 degrees, which is adjacent to New Holland, there is, according to Captain Grant's account, a tribe of negroes extremely black and woolly, whose whole formation is frightfully like the orang-utang, being, as to stature, many of them full six feet high, and powerfully built, who are far stronger than other men of their size, and very ferocious. These negroes eat human flesh as freely as they do any other meat, making no difference, one way or another, in the light of its being better or worse than the flesh of other creatures. They sleep in the open air, although the country is far from being hot, as it is in latitude 42 degrees south, and full as cold as is the climate of New York, 
in both winter and summer, and yet they sleep in the open air on the ground, and in the trees, like the wild tenants of the heavens and the earth, huddling in caves and holes in the winter, as well as they can. The Negroes of the Norfolk, or New Hebrides Islands in the Pacific Ocean, make use of human flesh, and count it as a great luxury, a banquet of the highest order. Malta Brune, page 620. In the island Malicola, in the Indian Ocean, according to the above author, is a race or tribe of Negroes, who, it is said, may almost be regarded as a kind of apes or baboons, as they have long flat noses, narrow foreheads, high cheekbones, under jaws which protrude beyond what is common to Africans, very low of stature, and every way entirely horrible to look upon, on account of their extraordinary approximation to the shapes and attitudes of orang-outangs. The Negroes of Solomon's Islands in the Pacific Ocean, south latitude 10 degrees, are exceedingly black and cruel, whose chiefs will kill a man for happening to cross their shadow. So despotic and fierce are they in their anger. They wear around their bodies, as ornaments, strings of human teeth, and other tokens of ferocity and murderous practices. These negroes are cannibals of the worst description, living on human flesh, in preference to all other kinds of meat, which they procure by wars among themselves, and from shipwrecked vessels, which are cast by tempests on these inhospitable and bloody shores. But from whence came the negroes of those islands of the Pacific Ocean, so far removed from Africa, their native country? We believe them to be descendants of the Cushites, who settled, first of all, and before they went to Africa, along the Persian Gulf and the Eastern Ocean, from whence they got on to these islands, by various means, where they have remained from that period till the present. The islands of New Hebrides, New Holland, Van Damon, New Zealand, and Solomon's Islands, with many others, which are inhabited by Negroes, lie all along adjacent to the coasts of Asia, so that they were easily reached by these first settlers, of the Ethiopia of that country, before they were conquered and driven out of it by the Shemites, as before stated. There is no other way to account for the appearance of the blacks on those islands, who have ever been acknowledged as the aboriginal or native people, other races mixing among them subsequently. This fact also establishes that the Negro race were always as they are, and that those Negro islanders are the descendants of the Asiatic Cushites, who now are cannibals, and have been thus in all time. From this same stock of black men, the Cushites of the days of Noah, descended the myriads of the Negro race, found mixed through all the nations of the great eastern world, as China, the Indies, Hindostan, etc., 
among whom they are slaves, as in all other parts of the earth, carrying out the curse of Noah. On the continent of Africa, there is, in the interior, a tribe of Negroes called Ebos, whose features wonderfully resemble baboons, like those on the island Malikola, particularly in the great elongation of the underjaw. These are likewise cannibals. Morse's Geography, page 785. Mr. Vaugill, an American who traveled in Africa, having penetrated some way into the interior among the Gongo Negroes, came to a pretty large settlement where he found a kind of marketplace to which the inhabitants resorted to buy and sell such things as they dealt in. Here Mr. Vaugill found an abundance of human legs and thighs hanging on pegs driven into the trees and their huts, for sale, the same as meat is exposed in the markets of civilized countries. In another district of Africa, called Darwin, situated on the shore of a river, where a schooner, commanded by one Captain Dunninger, had anchored for the purpose of hunting, dwelt a tribe or nation of Negroes, but what their name was is not recorded. At this place, a part of the crew went on shore, where there was a thick wood, in quest of game. For some reason or other, perhaps fear, they kept pretty near together, while they were looking about in the unknown woods, when they were suddenly set upon by a large party of negroes concealed in the grass, and notwithstanding the guns of the schooner's party, were at once overpowered, being frightened, as the negroes rose up immediately about, and under their very feet. They were instantly killed with clubs, except one or two, who, being a little apart from the main company, fled to the vessel with the news. As soon as possible, the residue of the crew hastened to the spot, well armed, where they found nothing but the blood and entrails of the victims, for their bodies had disappeared, carried away, as they believed, to be used as food for the murderers. A race of Negroes once inhabited a large district of country, about and beyond the heads of the Nile, in Abyssinia, far south of the equator, called Giogas, who once overran a great country in Africa, in the region known as Upper Egypt, supporting themselves as they went by killing and eating the inhabitants, as they would so many cattle in an enemy's country. They finally seized upon a district which lies south of Angolia, bordering on the Great Sahara, or Sand Desert, where they finally settled, and were living when the Christian missionaries found them. Whenever these people, who were the terror of the surrounding tribes, went out on marauding excursions to plunder and capture their own race, as has been the custom of all Africa, in all ages, they always selected from among their female slaves as many as they judged necessary for their support on their way, whom they killed as they went for food, 
having used them as their wives till the time of butchering them came. Edinburgh Encyclopedia, Volume 2, page 185. Is it possible to conceive of any condition in human life so utterly horrible, so far removed from the common sympathies and moral feelings of humanity, so deeply damned as were this community of Negroes? And yet their character was but in perfect keeping, more or less, with every horde, tribe, and nation of the race whether we go back to the first ages of their being in Asia and Africa, or look at them after the lapse of thousands of years, and as they are now, in their own untaught character, as found in the islands, woods, and mountains of their blood-stained country. The Reverend Mr. Brown, of the Methodist Episcopal Church in Africa, related, when on a recent visit to America, some appalling accounts of cannibalism, as seen and known by himself. He related that he had seen some ten or a dozen men buy a prisoner from a tribe who had taken him in battle, and, tying his hands behind his back, fell upon him with knives, cutting off pieces of his body as the victim went who filled the air with yells and cries for mercy, till he fell down from a loss of blood, when he was entirely devoured, except the bones. The Reverend Barnabas Shaw, a Wesleyan missionary, in his Memorials of South Africa, says, but we deem it rather reluctantly, that the Buchanan Negroes are sometimes cannibals. Page 56 that this trait of negro depravity and appetite was as much in vogue among them in the country of old canaan even prior to the time of moses and the conquest of those nations by the hebrews as it was in ancient africa or any of the adjacent islands at any time appears from some remarks in the writings ascribed to solomon on this very subject it is said of Solomon, in the scriptures, that he was a wise man, and, of necessity, a well-read man, or he could not have been wise. Solomon was, no doubt, acquainted with the history and manners of the ancient nations of the country over which he reigned, and who, in part, had been conquered by his own arms. He had access to the writings of all former ages even those of Noah and Melchizedek, as well as of other patriarchs. On these accounts we may rely upon what he has said on the subject of Negro cannibalism in the Book of Wisdom, as set forth in the Apocrypha, chapter 12, as follows. For it was thy will, O Lord, to destroy by the hands of our fathers the Hebrews, both those old inhabitants of thy holy land Canaan, whom thou hatest, for doing most odious works of witchcrafts and wicked sacrifices, and also those merciless murderers of children and devourers of men's flesh, and the feasts of blood with their priests, out of the midst of their idolatrous crew, 
and the parents that killed with their own hands babes destitute of help respecting these ancient nations of canaan the seed of ham solomon further states in the same chapter as above as follows but executing thy judgment upon them by little and little thou gavest them place of repentance not being ignorant that they were a naughty generation and that their malice was bred in them and that their cogitation would never be changed for it was a cursed seed from the beginning here allusion is made by solomon to the curse of noah and to the decree of god against the race in the words they were a cursed seed from the beginning that is from the birth of ham and that their malice was bred in them concerning this people solomon further saith in chapter fourteen moreover this was not enough for them that erred in the knowledge of god but whereas they lived in great ignorance those so great plagues called they peace for whilst they killed their children in sacrifice or used secret ceremonies or made revelings of strange rites they kept neither lives nor marriages any longer undefiled but either one slew another treacherously or grieved him by adultery so that there reigned in all men of those nations without exception blood manslaughter theft dissimulation corruption unfaithfulness tumults and perjury end of chapter 9c